Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. Vanessa Denha Garmo here. So excited to talk about our next guest with our next guest about the Detroit Zoo, one of the jewels of Michigan and Southeast Detroit. It's one of my favorite places to go. I just love the fact that we have this beautiful Detroit Zoo. And Elizabeth Arba is a curator for mammals. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. So we're, we're so lucky to have the Detroit Zoo right here in Southeast Michigan. So give us a background um, in, in terms of your role at the Detroit Zoo as curator of mammals. What does that entail? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I've had the pleasure to work here for many, many years and moved my way up the ladder through um, working in direct animal care as a zookeeper and now as the curator of mammals. So we have a large mammal department. There's about 40 of us from animal caretakers to supervisors to curators. And together as a team, we work with all our mammals to make sure they have the best lives possible, that they have wonderful habitats to live in, that um, we work with our vet staff and they have wonderful um, vet care and great health and wonderful diets. And we make sure to provide them wonderful opportunities that stimulate their minds and their bodies. So they are actively engaged in their environment, behaving like the species they are, using their natural behaviors and, and digging things and climbing things and eating things that they would naturally do in the wild. Wow, what does it entail when you monitor them, Elizabeth, to make sure that they're healthy and eating right and kind of getting the exercise that they needed, doing all the things they're supposed to do? I mean, is it something that you walk around the zoo on a daily basis? I mean, what does your day-to-day life look like there? You know, a lot of that is done day-to-day by the zookeepers. We have an amazing staff of keepers mm-hmm. and they work with the animals every day. So for example, we don't have somebody that works with, you know, the rhinos on Monday and then they go and work with amphibians on Tuesday, right? They are every single day they're working with the rhinos. They know those animals inside and out. They weigh their diets. They they will note a a, a 1% change that an animal is slightly off and not eating exactly what they'd normally be eating. Mm. Um, They watch them, they know their behavior. So so much of that is um, monitored by the keepers. I spend a lot of my time walking around the zoo, looking at the habitats, making sure the staff that are the boots on the ground taking care of the animals has everything they need to do the best work with the animals. So Elizabeth, how does a zookeeper get assigned a particular animal? And I, I understand the approach of their focusing on that one animal and not moving around so they can understand the behavior, the consistency, but how do they get assigned a particular animal? Um, that, that happens in a variety of different ways. Yeah. Uh, we, bring in, we have a lot of kids, like right now we have a lot of young um, college interns. Okay. Which is great. It's a great opportunity for these young mm-hmm. people to come in and they get to rotate through the entire mammal department. They'll, you know, spend two weeks working with the giraffe keeper and then two weeks working with the anteater keeper and so on and so on. So they, they get some, you know, hands-on experience and they get to find out what they really like. Mm-hmm. And that often happens with a lot of keepers. Some keepers will come in and they, they know they want to work with, with the great apes and some keepers will come in and be, be more flexible and want to try different things. So throughout time, we, we want to make sure people in the right places working with the animals they want to work with. But sometimes people come in and they start out working with the barn animals because they're new. And then we, we move them up through different species through, throughout time. So there's a lot of different ways to get working with the different species. So I know you have had two recent animal births. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, absolutely. We are so excited. I know it's been announced. 
that we have a baby chimp. Mm -hmm. uh, he was born on May 26th, which is just a few weeks ago now, to mom, Tanya, who is 31 years old, and this is her first baby. He is a joy. He's doing great. Um, when he was first born, it was it was a really quiet and quick labor. We have cameras on the animals, so we were able to go back and, and watch that footage from home. So we're not mm -hmm. sitting there bothering her while yeah. she's going into labor. We can sit away and um, quietly watch her. From the get-go, she was a fabulous mom. She's been taking wonderful care of the baby. And for the, for the first few days and even weeks, they stayed inside quietly. And eventually the other animals got to come visit them. And uh, now to the uh -huh. point that mom and baby, they have, they have met the entire troop and they're all going outside now. And it's been wonderful. All the other animals are very, all the other chimpanzees are very curious about the new baby. Um, and mom lets them come up and meet them, interact, interact, but then she'll still take baby away and go quietly off and nurse and take great care of him. It's been amazing. Hmm. That's beautiful. And so, so you have a baby chimpanzee and a baby giraffe and is, do the, so the babies, do the babies come out often? So when people are visiting the zoo, they could see the babies or. Yeah. With right now with the baby chimp, um, they are typically outside mm -hmm. and keep in mind, he is very, very small. He he's normal for his size, but the mm -hmm. baby chimps are really teeny tiny. So it's great to look up in the trees. Mom likes to take them up in, in a couple of those trees out in the habitat. They are on the South grade eight habitat. So if you look up in the trees, you might see mom holding the baby or when another way to notice is when she um, walks with him, sometimes she's got one arm pulled up under her. So you can see that she's kind of snuggling with something and you might get a great look at him. Mm -hmm. The giraffe baby we just introduced to the public just this week. Um, okay. He's been behind the scenes. We've been wanting him to bond with his mom and make sure he's doing great nursing and growing and getting strong. Um, so over time, his view ability to our guests, it will increase right now. Um, it's a few hours a day that we are opening the draft building and folks can come in and see him. But eventually we hope that he and his mom will go back with the whole group of drafts and folks will be able to see him every day, but it's going to take a few weeks. She is also a first time mom. So we want to make sure she is comfortable um, being out on the big habitat and seeing all these large crowds of people. So we'll take it slowly and we'll watch how mom and baby giraffe behave and then mm -hmm. take next steps and keep moving forward as, as they permit. So I know Elizabeth, sometimes as, as the giraffe did, had some difficulties right after birth. Um, and then you have wonderful animal care staff and the, and the giraffe is thriving. Is that common or is that uncommon for uh, a newborn uh, uh, baby of an animal to have some difficulties? You know, I think every case is different. That's mm -hmm. why we watch them so carefully. Yeah, uh, we And we have a lot of colleagues throughout the zoo world that we can reach out to. And we make careful plans. We have birthing plans and um, hand rearing plans should we need to. But most babies do great and do great with their moms. New time moms, just like new time hum new human moms. You know, it's a lot to learn. You don't know what you're getting into when all of a sudden you get a baby. Um, <laughs> That's true. And, and sometimes it's just best to, to watch and monitor very carefully. Um, in this case, with the draft and with all our babies, we, we do 24-hour monitoring. We have a camera monitoring system so we can watch them so we're not you know, negatively imp impacting them by being mm -hmm. in their space. Um, and, and in this case, he, he was having a little trouble trying to figure out how to nurse. 
okay. I'm having a little trouble trying to figure out how he should nurse, right? Okay, yeah. Her first baby, they, they, yeah. they didn't quite get it. Yeah. So he was trying hard. He would kind of nurse on her legs <laughs> oh. or nurse in not quite the right spot. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually he kind of figured it out. But eventually, oh. um, by the time he eventually found her udders, the act of nursing appeared to make mom, Zara, a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. We, we observed that she was pulling away from him or, or slightly nudging him away. So mm. as a result, this calf did not receive the colostrum, which is the first milk from his mom, containing the needed proteins used to fight off infection. It's, it's super important to get this during the first 12 hours of life. Mm. So in this case, we, we decided we did need to step in and, and help him because he did not receive that vital colostrum. So we consulted experts all across the zoo world, the, um, the AZA zoo world, to help us try to determine what was the best course to move this animal along. So to boost his immune system, the veterinary staff stepped in and they helped to feed him. They gave him a transfusion. They gave him all kinds of injections. And over the course of just about 10 days, he made a wonderful turnaround and he's learned how to nurse. And the mom is very accepting of him nursing now, and they are enormously bonded. They're a cute little team, and he's growing like crazy. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. We're talking with Elizabeth Arbaugh, curator of mammals at the Detroit Zoo, and it's like the perfect time of the year to go visit the Detroit Zoo. You also have um, uh, uh, recent arrivals, like sea otter uh, named Finn. So tell us, I, I understand Finn has a funny story. Yeah, Finn is a wonderful addition, and I encourage everybody to come out when you're at the Arctic Ring of Life after you see the polar bears swing by and look at our three wonderful sea otters. Um, at three weeks old, Finn was found stranded um, out in California in a town called Carmel-by-the-Sea, um, and the rescue and rehab team who worked with him could not find another female in the area to help care for him. They couldn't find his mother. So he was transferred to an area of aquarium and over time he was deemed as not an animal that could be released back in the wild, not an animal that would thrive and do well on his own back in the wild. So he went to a place called the Aquarium of the Pacific out in California and there they are experts at hand rearing young orphaned otters and they paired him up with a female who took him on as her own and she helped raise him and teach him otter behaviors and made him into a strong male otter. Mm. Um, and she did a wonderful job with him. And that's what the, that's one of the things that they do at the, that facility. It's really wonderful because this animal wouldn't have survived in the wild and might not have survived had these folks not taken him in and rehabilitated him. From there, they reached out to us because they knew we had a wonderful otter facility. And they reached out to see if we might have home for him. And at the time, we only had two otters. And we have, if you've seen our sea otter pool, it's a very large pool. It's a really wonderful place to be a water, to be a sea otter with lots of deep dives and lots of places to play on land. So we were more than thrilled to take him in. And he's been here with us in, for a couple months now. He right away joined our other two otters and he's doing great. So I know that you hosted a donation-based naming contest for him. Oh, absolutely. We did. And this was a, a really fun thing for us to do. Um, we reached out to um, our PR staff 
-hmm. And they came up with this wonderful idea to host a donation-based naming contest. As a team, our zookeeper staff and animal care staff came up with a bunch of names that, that we liked. Um, and Finn was on that list. And all the donations folks to vote for this had to submit a certain donation to every name they picked. And the donations raised from the naming contests raised more than $2,600. And the winning name was Finn. I love it. That's awesome. That's a fun way to raise money and help the Detroit Zoological Society uh, worldwide con uh, conservation efforts. And you also have miniature donkeys. Tell us about them. <laughs> yes, we sure do. Um, folks who have been coming to the zoo know Nicknack, our older female donkey. Mm -hmm. She's been with us many, many years, and she had a longtime companion named Giovanni. And mm -hmm. they were buddies. They did everything together, and they were very bonded and very close. And um, last year sometime, he passed away, and she was a little lonely. So mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure we found you know some wonderful companions for her. So we went looking far and wide to find just the right um, friends for her. And we found these two girls, their half-sisters named Rain and Pearl. They're both seven years old. Um, they came from Akron, Ohio, a farm in Akron, Ohio. And before we decided on them, we spent a lot of time getting to know them, a lot of calls with the owner, a lot of video chatting, um, a lot of finding out their exact personalities, how they would do with her. And they turned out to be a perfect match. So they've been here um, a few months now. They went out to the habitat just a few weeks ago and they have become fast friends. So now we have three wonderful um, miniature donkeys out at the barn that we hope folks will come out and see. That's and wonderful. And importantly, Knickknack now has some wonderful friends. <laughs> I love it. I love these names. So let me ask you that. How do these animals, and I know you talked about the contest for the sea otter fin, but generally, Elizabeth Arba, how do these animals get named? You know, there's a lot of different ways we do that. Mm -hmm. you know, this naming contest was a new thing, but I think years ago, we I think we tried that with one of our camels. Um, mm -hmm. His name is Humphrey. Sometimes um, animals that come to us already come to us with names. And so we want to keep them with their names. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the zookeepers name them. Sometimes other folks out in the zoo name them. So it kind of all depends. But in general, mm -hmm. we all talk about it. We all come up with a list. And then we make a great choice that matches mm -hmm. the animal. Okay. So excuse my ignorance. Okay, Elizabeth. No <laughs> I asked any ignorant questions. <laughs> you all. But, <laughs> but do the animals really like having a pet in your home, like your dog or your cat, do they really respond to their names? You know, I think in some cases, yeah, they do. You know, uh -huh. there, there are times we, we do a lot of, of work with our animals, primarily animal training that involves medical care. Oh, okay. We don't do animal shows here. We don't call the animals to, you know, um, jump through a hoop or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do interact with the animals typically through barriers to help them voluntarily work with us to be participants in their medical care. For example, we might want to teach an animal or train an animal how to get on a scale because that's a really important thing. So we might call them, call their names. So they come inside to a certain area where we have a scale set up and then we can get them on, on the scale. So there are times like that. We do a lot of really cool things like that. Um, for example, the zookeepers do wonderful works at training animals to get their vaccines, right? Mm, Just like us. Yeah. They, get, they have to get yeah. their preventative medical care. Yeah. And if the vet yeah. doesn't have to have a giant procedure that um, puts them to sleep just to give them one shot, that's so much better for the animals. Mm. We also do really exciting things like um, drawing blood, 
um, giving medications, having the ability to uh, perhaps have an animal open up his mouth so we can take a look at a tooth, that perhaps they're having trouble eating, little things like that, that engage the animals to be part of their own medical team. It's really awesome. Yeah, that's great. And, and Elizabeth, you talked about the interns, which is so wonderful, but are there often uh, uh, summer jobs for high school kids and other kids that work at the park and uh, who are interested in animals or uh, a career at the zoo? Yeah, absolutely. Here to be a zookeeper at the zoo, you do need a college degree in some kind of science. We have folks that work here with biology degrees, zoology degrees, um, and a variety of different wildlife degrees. So, so that's one of the first things here to work in direct animal care. Um, and like I said, those folks are coming in with uh, folks that are in college, come in and spend the summers with us. And they learned a lot of, a lot of really wonderful things that I think helps them then choose their career and decide if this is really, really where they want to be. Um, so in the animal care department, we primarily do not bring in like the summer hiring and that kind of thing. But certainly throughout the zoo, there are all kinds of opportunities to work in the zoo, to work in the different guest relations department. And I see young people working here every day. And it's a really fun place to work. You're outside, you can see the animals all day. Um, the days are always different and always exciting. I'm sure you get your steps in for sure working at yeah, the zoo. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, give us, I know you told us a little bit about your career at the Detroit Zoo and now is the curator of mammals, but give us a background and like if somebody's interested in working at the zoo, what are typical, you know, to be a zookeeper or to be a curator of animals, what is the degree you get, you know, to walk us through that career? Sure. Uh, being a zookeeper is a wonderful job um, and it, it, a lot of people want a small amount of jobs. So I always encourage young people throughout their youth to get any kind of experience with animals, whether it's walking your neighbor's dog or working at a, an animal shelter or volunteering places, because we look at that, we take that all into consideration. And then again, like I said, there's a lot of different kind of um, science degrees that can make um, help you apply for a job at a place like the Detroit Zoo. We have folks with degrees in zoology. That's my degree. We have a lot of that. Um, Michigan State has a great degree program in zoology, and we have a lot of staff that graduated from state. Mm -hmm. We also have folks with degrees in biology, animal welfare, animal science, um, animal conservation. We also have a wonderful department called our welfare department. It's called the Center for Zoo Animal Welfare. And those are folks that work with us to help us monitor the animals and, and do behavioral monitoring and keep an eye on our animals and keep track of them. For example, how are the animals doing on really busy days when we have a lot of guests? We want to know how are the animals impacted by that? Or how are the animals doing when we have a construction project or a contractor has to come in because we lost power? Yeah. So we have this wonderful team of researchers that have their research skills um, in animal observations, which is, so that's another route to go. You don't necessarily have to be an animal care day, caretaker that you're out you know, cleaning up the poop and making the diets for the animal. You can mm. also be a researcher that wants to watch the animals and monitor them and do graphs and scales and all kinds of great things that provide us really wonderful information on how the animals are actually doing. Mm -hmm. 
You know, how, um, I know animals, you talked about animals being transferred to the Detroit Zoo and sometimes animals from the Detroit Zoo go somewhere else. And recently the Detroit Zoological Society and the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium announced that the two polar bear cubs uh, um, would be moving um, in the spring of 2023. So they moved. So how does that work and how does that come to be when animals get moved from one zoo to the next? You know, absolutely. Um, we are part of the AZA, American Zoological Association, and there are, you know, well over 200 zoos um, part of that group. And okay. we, work, we work as a team, actually, to keep track of all the animals that we have, to genetically know who's related to who, and wow. to make sure that we are breeding animals in a way that makes sense, right? That we are successfully pairing the right genetics that we are not overpopulating certain genetics and that we are not overpopulating in general for the space we have. Everybody loves to have a baby, right? And see yeah. the babies. But if yeah. we don't have the space for when this baby grows up, you know, it's not the right thing to be breeding at certain times. So we also often have animals on birth control. And we do that because we don't want to then have too many giraffes or too many river otters that we can't have great homes for them. So in this case with Astra and Lerka, they they were born here. And if you know the story of Astra and Lerka, um, they were born to Nuka and Suka. And again, like I said, we have cameras on these animals. So we watched the birth. And soon by the, the second day, we could tell that Lerka was not thriving and she was not doing well. So we made the decision to remove her uh, from the den and hand raise her. She had a lot of health issues, but did wonderfully. And again, I can't thank all of us and the care staff and all the vet staff yeah. for coming together as a team to do this. Um, they did great and eventually were introduced back to each other. They became great buddies, um, <laughs> even though they are sisters, you know, they uh -huh. didn't spend the first few months together, but later in life, when they were close to being almost two years old, they were introduced and did great which we were really excited about because at about two years of age in the wild is naturally when polar bears would leave their mom and kind of go off on their own adventure. Mm -hmm. So that was the time that in working with um, other colleagues was determined that these girls should make their way out from the Detroit Zoo and move out to the Point Defiance Zoo in Tacoma, Washington. So that was a very sad in some ways time for us because we certainly miss them but they are great buddies and they went to a wonderful place where they're getting great care and before we moved the staff from point defiance came out here we had staff oh. spend a couple of weeks with us uh -huh. to get to know Lerka um and astra get to know what they like get to know their behaviors um the food they like the treats they like um so by the time it came that the animals actually moved out there their staff was already well acquainted with these guys. So that helped a lot, which we, we love yeah. having the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot that goes into it then, a lot entailed in moving animals, not just like, okay, let's get a truck, pick up the animals and move. I mean, that's good to know. Great. Thanks for the background, Elizabeth Arbaz, who we're talking to, uh, curator of mammals at the Detroit Zoo. We have a couple of minutes left with you, Elizabeth. What else do you want to share with us here on It's Your Community? Oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you today and talking to you about the zoo. It's a it's a wonderful place. We get so excited when we have visitors here. Um, we mentioned earlier that we have a new baby chimp, which we're excited to folks to come out and see, and a new beautiful baby giraffe. 
there's a lot of events this summer. There's a lot of great things going on. We look forward to seeing folks. And we are always so excited when folks want to ask us questions and engage with us about the animals. So if you see a zookeeper or one of us walking around the zoo and you see our name tag and our walkie-talkies, please always feel <laughs> free to ask us a question. We love to talk about the animals. We love them so much. Um, and we love to share the, our little insights about them. And so please never feel shy. Always walk up to us. Always be sure to ask us any questions. I'm going to make a point to do that next time, Elizabeth, when I'm there. <laughs> yeah, we'd love, love to it. see you. If you'd like yeah. to come out, we'd yeah. love to show you around. Yeah, I love the Detroit. So Elizabeth Arbaugh, thank you so much. And thanks to Sarah Colton for setting this up. Thanks uh, thanks for tuning in to us here on Itcher Community. If you have any questions or comments, show topics you want us to get to, get to me, Vanessa Denha. You can do that by going to Epiphany Communications and Coaching, or you can find me on any of my social media platforms on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook. As always, we remind you, our listeners, to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time right here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.